Hello and welcome to Not A Perfect Parent. If you don't know me, my name's Jess and I'm an EFT practitioner and an adoptive mum of two. This week is National Adoption Week and I didn't want to miss a fantastic opportunity to share the story of Katie. Katie is an adoptive mum of two and she's also a wellbeing coach supporting other adoptive parents in their journeys. Katie takes us through her experience of the adoption process and beginning her family in a way that she didn't expect, the work that she does to support other adopters and how she looks after her own well-being as a busy mum. Hi Katie. Hi, hi Jess. Welcome to Not A Perfect Parent. Oh, thank you for having me here today. So can we start by a little bit about your parenting journey? It's been quite a long one. <laughs> me and my husband, if I go back to the very beginning, we got married like probably a lot of people do and expecting children to follow shortly after that. And that didn't really happen. We went through various rounds of IVF to, to start our own family. We went through three rounds, actually. And it was always if the third one didn't work, that was it. We weren't going back to this clinic whatever happened we weren't going back there because it was quite emotionally draining the whole the whole journey doing IVF and we'd always had adoption at the back of our minds that was a, a, an avenue that we were going to investigate and we knew people in our family that had adopted as well and we knew other people around that had adopted and so we had conversations with them and we were like, yeah, this is what we want to do. This is how we're going to create our family. And that was probably about seven years after we actually started trying for our own family. And yeah, we attended an information session all about adoption. And the ball started rolling from there, really. Probably about a year from that initial meeting, our, who is now our eldest son, came to live with us. And he was three months old at the time. And he's now 10. So, wow. yeah, so that 10 years has gone quite quickly, really. I remember just thinking about that yesterday, how quick, you know, that time has gone and he's moving on to secondary school next year, which is just mad. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we also got another son who we always knew we wanted more than one child. So we went back through the adoption process again. He moved in three years later to us. But we started the process probably 18 months, I would say, after our first son came to live with us. So he's now seven, our youngest. And they're like chalk and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's the rule when you've got two. You have two opposites. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So our youngest is very active, always on the go. Um, and our, our eldest, he likes doing quiet things and uh, reading and art and things like that. So, yeah, they are quite different, but gorgeous. So I guess the whole journey to actually becoming a parent, that expectation, you know, you think things are going to happen in a certain way and they don't. But I'm also a believer in things that happen for a reason. Mm. And we have our two gorgeous boys now if we hadn't been on that journey. So, yeah, and, and actually just being a parent anyway, we didn't know what to expect. I, you know, I was asking my friends who'd already had children. I was like, what, what do you do? What, what do you do as a parent? What, I can't imagine how our life's going to change. And part of the training 
becoming a doctor is putting yourself in that situation and I remember asking my friend I was like what's your daily schedule can you just let me know what you do in a day because I've got no idea she sent me this schedule back and it was compared to what we actually did then no children it was complete contrast (laughs) all the time in the world haven't you when you don't have children but when you do everything was quite regimented we do this and we have a nap and then we do this so that sort of it felt a bit sterile doing it that way but that was sort of an only way of us getting to understand really what parenting might look like it doesn't really set you up for it I don't think (laughs) I think you're right I think there's no real way to be set up for it what was your experience of actually going through the process I think at the time it was quite intense there was a lot of training so having to get time off to do the training there was social worker visits most weeks and it felt a bit like actually going through therapy yourself because you were going way back into your childhood and sharing everything from that period of time so I think it it was good in a way but it was it was an emotional time I would say it's a lot going on for you and your partner as well if you if you're adopting um, with your partner lots of training around trauma and therapeutic parenting which I think looking back now was fantastic you know that really helps you parent in a certain way because therapeutic parenting isn't something that is taught to every parent but I think it should be I've just been on a a refresher of a 10-week therapeutic parenting course which actually was quite reassuring because it's been like 10 years since I've done my initial training and I was like do you know what I'm actually on the right tracks here because sometimes you can question yourself as a parent can't you am I doing this right am I you know this behavior that's going on perhaps around me am I managing this in the right way and it was just yeah reassuring to know that it had stuck (laughs) that training from all that time ago and we were implementing it you know we don't always get it right who does But yeah, it was good to know that we were on the right tracks and also we could pick up some extra snippets of helpful stuff as well and meet other parents that are going through similar challenges who are also on that parenting course for a reason. And I guess as well, it's meeting those parents when you go through that training. You know, we're all going through the same thing together and it's nice to be able to talk to people that get it. Because it, it does feel like a different world in a way. You know, you're going through this journey um, and you've all got your own past experiences of why you're there, but you're all there for the same reason because you, you want to give a child a loving home. Yeah, it can be quite daunting, can't it, that? And I noticed that you said before you started the process, you had family and contacts who had been through it. Yeah. Did that help? My cousin um, has... Had, had been through the process and adopted two girls and I remember sitting down with her I said to her oh we're thinking about um adopting and I had a long chat with her and she was just explaining how it all worked because we had no idea and um you know you can also talk about that emotional side as well rather than the practical side and then just other people come into your world who it's like when when you're focused on something you tend to spot those people around you so if you know you're you're focused on oh, the adoption process we want to adopt then other people that are adopters will pop into your life really we had a good chat with lots of other adopters and actually we've reciprocated this ourselves 
with other people who were thinking about adoption as well. It's just so helpful just to get a rounded picture of the whole journey. So yeah, the highs, the lows, you know, everything. Yeah. Definitely. And I think that it can be something because it's such a personal experience that people find it difficult or worried about it's too sensitive to ask questions about, which for some people I'm sure that it is. But I think it can be really helpful to kind of demystify the process a little bit, can't it? Especially for our kids as well, who will want to talk about it one day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just about being open about it. And there's no barriers to talking about it. I mean, people that are interested in um, adoption, I you know, I've said, look, just come and talk to me and I will tell you about my experience. I probably I wouldn't go into all the details because that's not fair and that's not right you know about our children but I will tell you what the process was like for us how it can be emotionally as well as mentally you know and about having to really look after yourself throughout that process as well is really important and I really want to come back to that because of the work that you do yourself to support adoptive parents but I wonder if you could speak to you said it was a seven-year journey to come from trying to start a family into coming into the adoption process with your first son how does it feel looking back on that now because that must have been very difficult for you as an individual as a couple yeah I mean it was it was quite all-consuming um I think anybody who wants to grow their family and it it doesn't happen in the way that they expect does have just can take quite a toll and it is all-consuming because that's what you're thinking about pretty much all the time probably the first half of my 30s was all about you know trying to start a family in whatever way that would be but looking back it's hard at the time and but then like I said I think you go through these things for a reason and then you just get on with I put inverted commas normal family life whatever that might look like (laughs) for you um and then it's only times when you think back to that time And you also think about how many people are probably going through a similar situation, but are quiet about it. So you don't know. But once Mm. you open up and start talking to people, the amount of people that I've spoken to who have gone through a similar journey and and everyone reacts to it differently. And it, it is definitely it was a very unemotional time, especially going through IVF, the whole pumping your body full of alien medications and drugs and things and that can all affect your your mood and your mind and on top of the is it going to work is it not going to work and I think people will get that if they have gone through IVF happy outcome (laughs) but a journey to get there I would say Mm. yeah not one that you would probably expect when you start that journey yeah so when like everybody have you felt like not a perfect parent (laughs) well (laughs) I talked about therapeutic parenting a minute ago which is a style I guess or a type of parenting that adopters learn about quite different to probably how we were parented there's times when I shout at the kids and you know when I've had enough usually it's around getting out the door in the morning um You know, getting to school on time, you're not getting your shoes on, you're not even dressed. I, I feel like when you get to that point, 
which I think we've all done mm-hmm. it's usually because there's something else going on with us you know we're obviously we're in our own heads thinking something else or you know what's going to happen if we don't get to school on time and then that sort of builds and then it sort of comes out as in the shouty way at the children which doesn't help anybody so there's been times like that when I think do you know what I could have probably handled that a bit better retrospectively but I'm human I've got that awareness that that isn't the right way to handle things but sometimes these things happen so yeah I would say not being a perfect parent is that about you know your own emotions and how they come across because it you're not only thinking about yourself anymore you're thinking about the rest of your family and your children as well that just adds another layer doesn't it you know to family life um it's all about more conscious parenting whereas I guess you know in my day if I was told to do something I would have probably just done it my boys aren't like that (laughs) no they there's there's ways and means I think of building that harmonious family life yeah and I think what I loved about what you said is there's that level of forgiveness for yourself, isn't there? Because mm. I think when it comes to expectations, sometimes we meet ourselves as parents, don't we? And don't necessarily recognise the people <laughs> we saw in our head when we imagined ourselves as parents on those busy mornings. Yeah. So yeah. it's got to be that level of forgiveness because those times are inevitable, aren't they? If our expectations are mm. that we're never going to have them, we're bound to yeah, exactly. be disappointed. Exactly. Especially like if you're tired yourself, if you had a bad night or, you know, you're not feeling very well or you're hungry even, or, you know, there could be a whole host of things which then contribute to how you're feeling. And sometimes it's quite hard to not let that take over. Um, But like you said, yeah, it's that having that forgiveness for yourself that, you know, actually, I didn't do that quite right that time. always try again you're still a person aren't you as well as being a parent yeah exactly exactly has that been something that you've learned as you've gone along because you now support other parents don't you to in their own well-being and managing that balance every day can you tell us a little bit about that yeah of course I'm a, a life and well-being coach I retrained in um 2020 and I'd been had a whole career in the heritage sector prior to that. I guess, like a lot of people, I decided to take I did top voluntary redundancy during COVID times, and I was up for a new challenge. And I didn't know what it was I wanted to do, but I came across coaching. It was really familiar to me because I used to lead teams, and coaching was part of the work that I did with my teams. And I was like, you know what, this is what I want to do, this is what I want to do, and I want to be able to use this coaching to support parents. So that's what I did. In 2022, we went through a bit of a rough, rocky patch as a, as a family, you know, with the boys, and I decided that I needed to seek post-adoption support at that time. And I've never sought support before, because everything had been, you know, ticking along quite nicely, but when I, you know, I rang and I said, like, I don't know what I need, but not feeling like things are going terribly well at the moment. And that's when I ended up redoing the therapeutic parenting course. But what I realised was I knew how I was feeling, but there wasn't support for that. Mm. So I was like, Do you know what, there's a big gap here for their adoptive parents. Um, 
and so I approached my local adoption support group and said look I'm thinking about setting up a, a circle to support adoptive parents with their well-being is this something that you might want to be involved with and they said yeah actually I've been thinking about something similar we'll support you whatever you can come and do it with us we can do it on your own but we will support you so last year I started my first in-person circles which was amazing um, and got funding from the local town hall to host it in their one of their rooms which was amazing because they saw it as a really worthwhile project and then um, I realised that um, geography and childcare was a bit of an issue for people accessing that support so I took it online and um, so using my own personal experience and my professional skills as well as a coach and my own personal development over the last three years I'm now able to support other adoptive parents with their well-being through either one-to-one -one coaching or I run a circle which meets every week and offers everything from relaxation time to well-being tips to coming together to just to get off your chest whatever it is you want to share what have you been through that week and also to offer some coaching some mini coaching around that just to get you moving forward again just to get some clarity because we can get quite bogged down especially if, if we're having a bit of an off time and you just don't know what to do next or who to reach out to and there's a lot of need out there yeah there's so much power isn't there in that connection I think the most supported I've felt in our journey as adopters has been with other adoptive parents what do you think are some of the challenges that are quite specific to starting your family through adoption I think probably not knowing completely what adoption involves I mean you get told scenarios and this could happen or that could happen but I think one, until you're in it you don't know you don't know what's going to come up and I think the support it can be quite limited so you can approach post-adoption support afterwards and seek some help however there's probably going to be like a waiting list for that and that could be months and you might be needing that support now um, and I also think unless you are an adoptive parent you don't completely understand that journey and so friends and family might willingly give you good advice that they think is good advice they probably don't understand completely and I think that's where quite a few adopters can feel quite alone quite lonely and it's around building that support network around people in the adoption world professionals or the peers so I think people who get it that's who you need around you definitely mm, that makes a big difference it does so big question, but what do you feel like you've learned as a mum now of a 10-year-old? <laughs> what have I learned? Wow. <laughs> oh, I've, I guess patience. <laughs> I've probably learned a lot about myself and I guess more so in the last sort of three years through my own personal development as well and just mm. discovering more about what makes me tick. Um, and how I manage my emotions and what triggers me and because lots of things can trigger you from your own childhood and I think unless you've got that awareness you can spiral with that 
so yeah I mean like I was giving you that example earlier about getting out the door on time that was a big trigger for me because I was always like I don't want to go get to school late and I don't want to get a black mark and until I sort of drilled down into why am I reacting this way and that was the reason I don't know why I was getting upset about it so I think there's a lot of self-awareness has happened um, over that time um, <clears throat> and more understanding as well about trauma and about adoption which I wouldn't you know and obviously you get told at the beginning when you do your training but until it's that lived experience and you're talking to other adopters um you don't really see it you can't really make sense of it I guess when it's quite ethereal because it's not actually you're not actually living it until you you've actually got your child and I know that you're a big advocate of bringing well-being into your daily life and self-compassion as well how do you manage those ups and downs for yourself as a mum so I I have sort of a routine that I do try to get out three times a week after I've done the school drop-off because I know that that school drop-off can be a bit of a trigger for me so I like to just go and clear my head if it's not a run I go for a walk get out at least once a day and do that and that's my time to just process and if I've got something to think about, it's good thinking time for me. So I, I, I do that. And I, I'm also aware that if I've got a lot coming up in the diary, for example, I know I need downtime. So I know what I need for my body. And mm. I know what I need for my mind. Because I know if I cram too much in that diary, then I can start to feel overwhelmed and a bit anxious. Um, so I think it's that heightened awareness of how I work as a person. Um, but I do, I'd like to journal. So I like to get my thoughts down on paper. That really helps, you know, doing that journaling. I don't do it daily, but it's a bit more as and when for me. But that gives me quite good clarity on stuff. You know, things are going round and round in your head. And I always suggest to people, you know, try journaling if you haven't, because that might help you. And also, I like to say some gratitudes at night as well before bed, because even if it's little things to be grateful for, it puts a lot of stuff into perspective. So it could be, I've got a roof over my head, my family is safe and well, and they're healthy. And it, it means you're going to bed in a more positive way, a more positive feeling, which then has a sort of impact throughout the rest of the night and into the next day. So that's that's another part of my well-being. I'm also training to become a gong sound healing practitioner mm. and um, playing my gong <laughs> is a way as well. It's a bit like meditation in a way. You can get absorbed in it. You just play it intuitively. Yeah, so that's another way for me to sort of just calm myself. I guess it's my tools in my toolbox to pick out what, suits me at that time I might just be taking myself off to read my book for a bit if I can as well so and knowing like you know you have these areas in the day don't you where it's all go and it's quite chaotic you know like getting the kids to school and then when you pick them up and then maybe bedtime and it's knowing that they're coming up and allowing your time to breathe in between those times and just sort of bolstering yourself a bit if you need to so you can face those times with a bit more resilience I guess yeah that's it isn't it it's so important and as you're speaking I'm thinking about all of those similar routines that I have that I've been neglecting and uh, 
it's that thing isn't it it's like we were saying doing it when you don't feel like doing it because there's this real paradox of well-being isn't there that when you most need it it might be the last thing you feel like doing going for that walk but actually it's those little bits because it can become so easy can't it to get lost and to keep whirring away and the pace is really fast with kids yeah so we've got to take those little moments and it can be quite intimidating going well I don't have an hour to sit with a book but just a few minutes Mm. might make that difference that's the thing isn't it I think you've hit the nail on the head it doesn't have to be a long time it could be five minutes it could be just sitting and having a cup of tea you know and I think sometimes people get in their head that it has to be a set amount of time that they need to spend on their own self-care their own well-being but yeah it could be just a few minutes just some time for you doing something that you enjoy savoring a nice cup of coffee for example sitting in the sunshine yeah it doesn't have to be big things at all another big question what do you think your kind of parenting takeaway and piece of wisdom is what would you have liked somebody to say to you at the beginning I think being kind to yourself you know we talked a bit didn't we about self-compassion even when times are tough you could be self-critical in those times and you could berate yourself for you know not getting it right Um, but like I said you know we are human at the end of the day and I think a lot of people can be quite harsh on themselves especially you have like this inner voice which (laughs) it's usually quite negative it's usually there to try and keep you safe but being aware of that and just turning that on its head and talking to yourself nicely and also the fact that self-care is vital as well and it's vital to be able to support yourself but also to be able to support your family as well so it's not about putting their needs first all the time it's it's you that's the priority because if you're not in the right space how on earth are you going to be able to support your family and I think sometimes we can get that a little bit mixed up back to front if somebody had said to me about looking after myself and being kind to myself would I have taken it on board back then I think (laughs) I think you have to go through that journey to appreciate it more but I think it's definitely worth saying and also enjoy the moment 10 years now we've been parents and that's gone quite quickly I always remember I tell this story when I was in the supermarket when my eldest was a baby in a sling and this older lady behind me said oh make the most of this time it really flies and that conversation has really stuck with me because do you know what it has and it's about trying to be present more present and enjoying those times and trying not to always be thinking about the next thing you've got to do or got to make the tea or got to do that or maybe I've got to check my phone or you know all the stuff (laughs) that goes through our heads most of the time it's being conscious about just just watch just see what they're doing just be present enjoy that time while you while you have it while they're still young and it's also connected isn't it if you haven't given yourself the space to be balanced it's very difficult to be present do you think that your clarity and working on your own balance has helped your connection with your kids yes I think so definitely being more present means that you can tune into what they're actually say maybe not what they're saying but what's underneath what they're saying as well we can be sometimes quite quick to judge or quite quick to jump to answers and conclusions without fully listening if we're there listening to them now 
you know, for the small stuff that they want to tell us, then they're going to be want to come and talk to us when bigger stuff comes up for them as well. Mm. And that is something that's always been at the back of my mind. So they're for the small stuff. So when they've got the larger stuff they want to talk about, they feel able to come and talk to you. And it's having that open presence, really, for them to be able to do that. You know, I don't, I, I admit I don't get it right all the time, but that's my aspiration. That's, that's, you know, that's what I'm aiming for. Um, and yeah, and when I find myself sort of maybe drifting or thinking about other things, other than that, I can pull myself back and be actually just be in this moment for a bit longer and just, just see what's going on around you and how are the kids and you know, because they might not be telling you verbally sometimes, it might be other stuff they're doing. We all leave busy lives, don't we? We're always mm. rushing around from one thing to another. So it's quite hard sometimes to just have that time. But yeah, I think that would be a takeaway as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And about giving yourself the grace to, like you say, we only learn those lessons, don't we, by getting lost. And then mm. we get lost again and then we find ourselves again. <laughs> and then we keep we keep doing it. And it's about a lot of the work you do which I found really inspiring is about normalizing that struggle because mm -hmm. we can feel very alone in it and just yeah. connecting and saying oh me too I've felt that I've had days like that and actually so do we all that gives yeah. us that bit of peace doesn't it to to find what we need again yeah definitely yeah we're all in it together aren't we in our own ways in our own experiences that's it yeah, yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for talking to us today. Oh, you're very welcome. I've really enjoyed talking to you, Jess. It's been absolutely lovely to have you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Not A Perfect Parent. Come back again next week for the extraordinary wisdom of another ordinary parent. And if you've got a story to share, and don't we all, get in touch.